It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We've got a few text messages to get through. We're also going to have another clue for our quiz. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. All right, next clue for the quiz. To help King Saul relax, David plays what instrument for him? Did I read that already? No. Yes, I did. I did read that already. Let's have another, let's have another clue. Either which way, we'll clue. have another clue. Our next clue is, who was one of Israel's judges that freed his people using an ox goad? is the number to call. And if you know, you can get an entry into the quiz. Well, you can get an entry into the draw for the quiz. But get that entry in, go into the draw to win the Andrews Study Bible. But uh, yeah, guys, again, that question was, who was one of Israel's judges that freed his people using an ox code? 0491-064-669. Have you ever used an ox code? I have no idea what that is. Really? I, like, is, do, you, do, you, do you poke oxes with it to make it go places? Like, I'm thinking, like, goading. You goad. Goad, yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of like a cattle prod. Ah. These okay. days these days they have electric ones. Mm-hmm. Back in the days they had sharp pointy ones. Mm. Sure. And he used a sharp pointy thing to, yeah, not goad oxen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Free his people. In other words, kill a lot of other people who are oppressing his people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, a couple of text messages here. And, of course, quick reminder, we'd love to hear from you during the Bible study, particularly your thoughts on the Bible study, the passage that we have under consideration. But this is an interesting one. It says, we have the right to blaspheme all religious leaders, but you better not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, for there is mm-hmm. no forgiveness yep. on earth or heaven if you do. You still have the right to do so. Mm-hmm. And this is this is my point, is that God gives us that right. Yeah. God extends to us the right to be lost. Mm-hmm. And when we infringe upon the rights that God has extended to us, that becomes a problem. Mm. And, you know, it's one thing to blaspheme against a religious leader. It's that may or may not be salvational. Mm. I don't think it's wise to ever blaspheme against a religious leader. Mm. I think if there is a situation where a religious leader is, you know, promoting or has promoted something that we disagree with, then we disagree with the religious Mm. leader. We don't blaspheme them. We disagree with them and we Mm. give rational arguments as to why they are wrong. Yes. That's how a good, sane, sober, moral citizen of the world will behave. Mm. All right. The United Nations, they can try to stop the voices of those who speak the truth, but they will never actually achieve it. There will always be men and women who will rise above the rest to speak it, as it shall be with the three angels' messages. Mm. You can't stop those, particularly once that fourth angel kicks in. It's going to just Revelation chapter 14, Revelation chapter 18, the message is going to go out there to the world with great power uh, and nothing is going to stop it. Mm-hmm. All right, so those are your text messages. Hey, I've got some text sure. messages. Oh, you got text messages. i got some text messages. Oh, the first one was, was based on the interview. I actually texted someone. I'm like, hey, I'm talking to my best friend Jeremy Dixon right now about food because, as I, as I said, I always tell people from my church, I'm like, yeah, me and Jeremy Dixon talk on the radio and I always get jealous. <laughs> so I was texting them and they were listening in. It's like, this, is, this isn't fake cheese anymore. It's real cheese. But made from yeah, plants. I agree. I agree. We're talking about the real stuff, the yes. good stuff here. The stuff made out of animal products is rapidly becoming the fake stuff. Yeah, because it's just not as good. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that's what we're seeing right here. But hey, I had another text message come in, Lyle. This is, mm-hmm. uh, to do with, to do with cats and dogs. Right. This is actually kind of gnarly. This comes in from my good friend, Johanna. And she says, tell Lyle to stop bagging out cats. When I was little, I had two kittens that were killed by the neighbor's dog. And that was in two different events within the same week. Um, um, uh, yeah, um, Lyle. Whose yes. yard? It was in their own yard. In their own yard. Yeah, the dog came in. The neighbor's dog came in. This is a very sad story to talk about on Faith FM, but it needs to be highlighted that cat, like cat and dog violence, is not always cats perpetrating. Dogs are perpetrating too. Oh, dogs perpetrate absolutely. I used to have a <laughs> I used to have a dog that used to perpetrate violence on cats all the time. Uh huh. And he used to dra- drag very large feral cats out of the bush on a semi regular <laughs> occasion, and he would be so beat up, mm. like skin missing, chunks missing, mm. and he'd just be grinning from ear to ear, and he'd be like, "Oh, look what I got! <laughs> I won!" <laughs> that was that was a long time ago in Tasmania. Mm. Yes, but that was the thing that we were talking about in the car this morning. Um, was that yeah? If if people would just take responsibility for their pets. So if the yes, animal is kept right. in your own yard, no, that, that's absolutely. So in that's this absolutely story, true. it's yes. the dog. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yep. You have a responsibility if you are a pet owner to keep that animal in your yard, regardless of whether it's a dog or a cat, because that pet does not belong to your neighbours, mm. and they don't want to. They should not have the requirement to have responsibility over that pet. And so Agreed. that, that uh, needs to, you know, the owners of that dog obviously need to take control of that dog and can take control of their pet. It's a wrong thing for them to allow their dog out mm. of their yard. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if the cat crosses into the neighbour's yard, then it's your responsibility as a house owner to keep your pets within your boundaries. Mm. Anyway, I, I'm going to... Uh, Concede sympathy. I'm going to send my condolences to Johanna. Mm-hmm. Over... In, in regards because, to what? Because you feel sad. Uh, why? Um, let, let's just, just get on with our Bible study. <laughs> let's just move on with our Bible study. Oh, we're talking about the, our favourite chapter of the Bible right now. No, no, no. We're not talking about our favourite chapter of the Bible at all. <laughs> we're talking about one of the most sordid chapters of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We're in Genesis 38. Where did we get up to? We were pretty much close to the end of this story. So let's summarise what we've got so far. For those who might be tuning in from yesterday, mm-hmm. you've got a very sordid story here where you've got Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, mm-hmm. whose son gets married to a woman. His son is a wicked individual mm-hmm. and dies, probably to the blessing of this lady, mm-hmm. if he's that kind of person. And so the responsibility of taking care of this woman then falls to his second oldest son mm. and he decides to use and abuse this woman. So he's a terrible person as well. Mm. And because he uses and abuses this woman and refuses to provide the uh, the care and protection that she needs, obviously through having uh, children of her own because that was how the system worked in those days, then he dies as well and uh, mm. Judah is like, well, I've only got one son left and I'm not going to risk him. Mm. And so he then basically hangs this woman out to out in the cold, just mm. let her, you know, do her thing and hope that she can somehow survive and tries to forget about her mm. to the point where eventually Judah's wife dies. Mm. And when Judah's wife dies, he's feeling sad, he's in mourning, he's in a vulnerable position, 
because you're always in a vulnerable position when you are grieving. And as a result, he decides to sleep with a prostitute. It turns out that the prostitute is actually the former wife of his sons. Uh-huh. And it just goes very badly. Where did we yeah. get up to? Well, and basically this this scheme is is a plot by Tamar yes. to trap Judah. Yes. And so she gets at him when he is vulnerable. Yes. And like it's they're both making terrible decisions. Yes. This is they, that they should both be responsible for. Um but essentially we got up to the part where as a result of, you know, him trying to solicit sex from her. Then she is like, okay, what are you going to pay me? And he's like, I'll give you a, a kid. You know, I'll give you a fresh, you know, perfect goat. And then he's like... Uh, well, because she- that was the currency in those days. That's there was right. no such thing as, you know, coins in those days. And she's like, well, you don't have the goat with you, so can you give me something else? And As a pledge, as a promise. As a promise, that's yeah. right. And he ends up giving her his signet ring, yes. uh, which is like his stamp, his seal, as well as his walking stick. And something else. He gives her something else as well. It's the signet ring. He's the walk. It's the cord. Signet ring, cord, and walking stick. Yes. And uh, yeah. And then and basically, the signet ring in those days was your identification. That's right. That was how you would sign letters. It was your driver's license. It was your ID. And so it's a little bit like you know, if somebody comes up to test drive a car and they want to take it for a drive by themselves and they don't want you looking over their shoulder, you might say, "Well, hand me the keys to your car," and mm. then off you go. Yeah. You know, you're holding something, you know, you're holding their car in your hand so that if they make a run for it, then, well, at least you've got probably you got a, car a, out of it. a nicer car. <laughs> Usually yeah. when I'm selling a car, I'm holding the keys of a nicer car. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, they go into each other and she falls pregnant. She does. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And, of course, here, uh, you know, uh, there's an interesting question that comes up because Ruff is asking the question, I wonder how old uh, Tamar was for her to wait for the child to grow into manhood. And so I'm sort of thinking probably around about 40, thereabouts, mm. would be a reasonable age. Tamar's age. Tamar's age. That, that would be a guess for me. I mean, the Bible has gives no indication whatsoever at all, but mm. she's no longer a young person. Uh, it could also be that maybe her and the first guy, Er, they get together at, say, 20. 20. And 20, then 20 is a reasonable age, particularly for that era. So he dies by, let's say, 23. Yeah. And then it's it with Shua. Uh, Shua, who's probably, let's say, 17, 18, something like that. And then the next son could be, you know, he could have been 12. And it was like, all right. It's could have been four. Five. five could have been five, but yeah. So that, you know, been... if, you, if you look at if you look at gaps like that, which would be typical age gaps for a family in our day and age, mm. um, she would be say forty or so thereabouts. Okay. I mean, they, but then you know they are living longer lifespans back then, mm. and forty back then would have been a lot younger than what forty is now. Either which way, I think that would be a reasonable guess. All we can do is guess. Mm. All right, we're about to. Uh, we are up to this story where she basically falls pregnant and in verse 20, it continues on and it says, later Judah asked his friend Hira, the Adam, uh, the Adam, uh, the Adalamite, sorry, to take the young goat to the woman to pick up the things he had given to her as guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. 
So he asked the men who lived there, where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance of Anaim? We've never seen a shrine prostitute, they replied. Okay, so this is interesting. An interesting translation that you've got there, a shrine prostitute. So this indicates that, you know, obviously this is uh, possibly could have been uh, posing as temple prostitution, Mm. which was a thing in many parts of the ancient world in those days. But it does not say that in other translations, so I'd be interested to see why they actually translate it that way. But either which way, what's taking place is that, you know, he's gone to this prostitute, um, they've had sex together, but he doesn't go to pay the bill himself. Mm. He sends his best mate, you know, basically his business partner. He sends him to pay the bill because, you know, reading between the lines here, Mm. it's a bit embarrassed. Yeah. He doesn't want to be seen hanging out with a prostitute. Mm. He was probably in a situation where he did this without being seen the first time around and when he goes back it's like, yeah, I just, I'll just i send my friend. Mm. And his friend's like, sure, heads over there and there's like, there's no prostitute here. Yeah. Who, who are you talking about? What, what do you mean? And so she's nowhere mm-hmm. and then he goes back to Judah and says, I couldn't find her anywhere. And the men of the village claim they've never had a shrine prostitute there. Then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. Uh, we'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back to look for her again. Yes, so there's a, there's a level of shame here because to be able to actually track her down, he's going to have to do quite a bit of work and he does not want to be the laughing stock of the village. That's right, he doesn't want to be identified as this guy. He does not want to be. And, you know, I guess this is how, you know, Sex workers work today. They have a very high level of um, confidentiality mm-hmm. because I guess nothing has changed in the many <laughs> thousands of years of in the world's oldest trade. And it's interesting when you see from the perspective like Judah's in a vulnerable position, so he kind of takes that step of eliciting sex, which is a, the dumbest thing ever. Like and now look how embarrassing it's become for him. Yeah, that's right. And I, I feel like definitely in our context today, like sex workers are usually the center of all kinds of relationship controversies uh, and vulnerable points in people's lives, similar to, to what's going on here. Yes. Anyways, uh, it continues on in verse 24. Okay. This is, this is the insane part of the story to me. Like already it's been crazy. But this part is like where it just hits boiling point. Verse 24, the Bible says, About three months later, Judah was told, uh, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute and now has become pregnant because of prostitution. But as they were taking her out to kill her, <laughs> also... Oh, wait, I missed the key yeah, verse. Yeah, you missed the key I verse. I missed the key verse. Verse 20... Uh, at the end of verse 24, it says... Bring her out and let her be burned. Okay, so this is this is pretty wild. So uh, it Judah finds out that his daughter-in-law is pregnant, uh-huh. and she is not married. Uh-huh. So she has clearly committed fornication or adultery. Yeah, but then furthermore, and so in the context then, of prostitution, that's what they say. He then is like, okay, she needs to be executed because she has acted as a prostitute. Mm-hmm. What was it that Judah did four or five months earlier? <laughs> he solicited the services of a prostitute. And I think who should be who should be guilty here? Who should be being killed? If he's going to pronounce the death penalty on Tamar, then surely it should be pronounced on him himself. Now, the reason he's pr- pronouncing the death penalty is because she is the future wife, quote unquote, to his son. 
And so therefore it's like, oh, you've committed adultery against my son. I'm going to send yeah, you capital punishment. Yeah, but he was punishment. not. He was yes. He was not going to give her his son. Yes. So ultimately, Judah here identifies an excuse to be able to get rid of Tamar without having to pay her, without having, yes, like, without having to include her in the family uh-huh. because it's led to the death of his previous two sons. He has the ultimate excuse. He has the ultimate cover-up right here. Oh, Tamar's gone and acted like a prostitute. Let's kill her because then it means that I don't have to give my son to her like I promised. Yes. (laughs) But Judah, my friend. Does not have to provide for her, does not have to uh, take care of her, does not have to pass his his youngest son across her, does not have to do any of these kind of things. Yeah. It's just problem solved. Let's just kill her. This is pretty cold stuff. This is to- this is ice cold. We talked about toxic masculinity yesterday. Yeah, this and, is peak right here. And you wonder where Ur and Shua became such terrible guys from? Yeah, you know, maybe it came from their father. If you're <laughs> if you're willing to be this cold, this is, you know, you can see very strong financial motivation here for murder. Mm. This is wild. It is. But then it continues into verse twenty five. And it says, but as they were taking her out to kill her, so they've seized her. They're like, all right, let's get this done. She sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, you know, when you, you read this story, okay, uh-huh. so you read this story. And you can see here, Judah's in a vulnerable, a vulnerable headspace, and he does a terrible thing. Mm. He goes to see this prostitute, and but it seems that he wants to do it quietly, mm. on the sly, mm. nobody knowing. Mm. Nothing has changed in four thousand years. Yeah, and he's got a reputation to uphold. He's one of the men. Sons still of go to sex workers in exactly the same way. Yeah. So then when it comes time to pay, because he didn't have any disposable income with him at the time, he then sends his friend, you go and pay. Uh-huh. Because if the friend is seen paying, people are going to assume, oh, you're with this prostitute, and he'll be like, no, no, it wasn't me, I'm paying for a friend. Uh-huh. So Judah's trying to keep this whole sordid affair on the lowdown. Uh-huh. And now, 4,000 years later, we're reading about it. Yeah. Because... Everybody found out about it, <laughs> and it could not have become more public, particularly the fact that he tried to have Tamar executed. That just makes it so much more public when it all comes out. Imagine imagine you get caught for, like, soliciting sex work, and, like, the person proves it by pulling out your passport and your phone. And it's like, where did I get these from? Like, that's literally what's happening to this guy. He's like, oh yeah, and I've got the keys to your car. Like, he's a walking stick. Like, yeah, like a typical a typical man who goes to see a sex worker and he gets caught and he's like, nah, 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 never did. Nah, nah, never did that. She's like, oh well, where did I get these from? Your car keys, Ooh, your passport, ouch. your driver's license. Like, this is he has been stitched up. Which, by the way, like we talk about Judah's vulnerable position. Like that is the same reason why Tamar has perpetrated this act in the first place. And she's when I, also when, vulnerable. When I talk about Judah's vulnerability because of his grief and so forth, do not take this in any way, shape, or form to be any level of excuse whatsoever or at sympathy. all. Or sympathy. Yeah. No, none. <laughs> it, take it as a warning. 
Yes. Okay, that's the issue right here. Take it as a warning because we can find ourselves in vulnerable positions at times and that's when we need to be the strongest wow. and make the best decisions. This is a warning, not an excuse. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Sky's texted in to say, wow, the plot thickens. The Bible is better than any soap drama. And this is all real too. This is true. Yes. This went down. Hey, let's have a uh, another clue for the quiz, the final clue. Where can you find the sentence, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or chapter text. Chapter and verse. Chapter and verse, please. Book, chapter and verse. Well, it's it's uh, it just says where can you find. That's right. But we would prefer if you did book, chapter and verse. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. You can go into the draw to win the Andrews Study Bible. Incredible, expensive, amazing Bible. It's actually the most expensive thing that we've ever given away on Faith FM for these prizes. So 0491-064-669. And again, that clue was where can you find the sentence? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, so we go to this uh, back to this story that we have been covering here yes. with uh, Tamar. And, of course, uh, let's just finish off reading this little section. So it says Judah recognized them immediately. So mm-hmm. he, she pulls out his passport, his signet ring, you know, yeah, his walking how stick. How are you going to deny that? And, you know, she, he, he could say she stole it. He could really go to well, the grave. Well, she didn't. Well, okay. Yeah, okay. He could okay. go to the grave with this down. lie. Double down. Yeah, that's right. Like, just denial. But instead, he says in verse 26, Judah it, recognized them immediately mm-hmm. and said, she is more righteous than I uh, I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son, Shella. And Judah never again slept with Tamar. That's a wise move. Mm. What's interesting about this passage is the redemption that comes out of it. Mm. Because from, you know, if you read in the New Testament, we have obviously the story of uh, Jesus and the genealogy of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And genealogies typically trace down through the male line. Mm -hmm. But there are some specific women who are mentioned Mm -hmm. because of their importance and because of the grace they received. And we're going to talk about those in just a moment. Uh, One of them is Tamar. Mm. So this does turn out to the best. Uh, joining us on the line right now, we've got a caller coming through. Uh, is who, who do we have here uh, on the line? Yep, uh, Bruce. Bruce, oh, Bruce. Bruce. We haven't heard you from you a while. Welcome back to the show, Bruce. Uh, what would you like yeah. to say? Well, just about what you were just about talking about, that when we're looking at the, the, the lineage, it's interesting how Leah was uh, the one that produced Judah, you know, and yet... Um, Jacob loved, um, I forget her name now, um, Rachel. Rachel. Rachel most. And you would think that uh, it would come out of Joseph. Mm. But it came out of Judah. And, not, and when we're looking at these women, like Leah felt not loved. You know, she was sort of downtrodden and not whatever. And yet God lifted her up. And then later on, we have like uh, Rahab, who was a um, prostitute. And yet God used her and then Ruth, who, you know, was her husband died, you know, and yet she, she was she stuck to her mother in law and ended up marrying Boaz. And so so it's interesting how God is looking after the downtrodden in 
in a sense of the women. And it's interesting when God tells us, you know, that we should look after the widow and the fatherless. Mm. You know, so you sort of see this is God's character, how God's looking after. And really, when you think about the women, the church is represented as a woman, Mm. you know, so Mm. really. We're, we're all represented as God's children, as as really a woman in that that perspective. And of course, the w- women are a more vulnerable member of society, and so the church is you know is is vulnerable, and God cares for us. And you know, in the same way, you know, you talk about the widow and the fatherless. There, the modern terminology that for that is the single mother. Mm. A lot of the time, you know, not all the time, but that's the the big the big challenge that we have in our world today is to take care of the single mothers because single motherhood is a huge issue in our world, and single mothers are very you know very vulnerable because they are overworked and underpaid. We all know how that goes. It's a huge challenge because so often it is the men who just disappear into the ether when it comes to the raising of children. Unfortunately, oh, it comes comes back as well. That we need God as our Father. Yes. You know, that sin separated us from our husband, our father, our, you know, and that's what it's, this whole controversy is about. And it's showing how God is so merciful and He actually is our Father and Jesus is the husband of the church, you know, our brother as well. Yes, with that role of provider and protector. Now, you've raised some really good points there, um, Bruce. Thank you so much for calling through with that. We uh, appreciate it very much. And, you know, I just really want to pick up on what Bruce was talking about there in relationship to the genealogy of Jesus and those who are mentioned. They are all mentioned for a reason. And so let's let's look at them. You've got, obviously, Leah is mentioned by implication, uh, who was the one who was not loved and the one mm-hmm. who, it seems, was po- po- most likely very, very depressed and very sad and very overlooked. And God stands up for her. There's, you've got that coming through here. The next one on the list is Tamar. Mm. You know, this is a woman who was condemned to death. This was a woman who was a victim. Yep. And as a victim, made some terrible choices and would have lived an incredibly stressful experience right through her pregnancy, right up to the point where she's condemned to death. You know, her life is on the line. As you say, Judah could have doubled down and like, ah, she stole him. More, all the more reason to... Uh, to to have her executed. Mm. Then you've got the story of Rahab, and of course, Rahab was a prof- you know Tamar was, Tamar was a one time prostitute. Rahab was a professional prostitute. Mm. Then you've got the story of Ruth. Uh, who was Ruth? Ruth was a Moabitess. Mm. Rahab was a Canaanite. Mm. You know these were foreigners. These were not part of the you know, the Jewish blood, the the Jewish descendants, the chosen people of God. These were people that were grafted in. And, of course, you've got Bathsheba in there as well, who once again was you know, really a victim to terrible, terrible circumstances mm. and some awful, awful things. Okay, so the question is, all right, why does, why does God single out these women to mention them in the genealogy of Jesus? Because the genealogy is tracing back through the male line. Mm. Why are these women singled out and mentioned? Well, I think it just really reveals, as we've discussed already on the show, God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. And now God is revealing through these women. like He's the God of Leah, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, tragic, terrible, struggling people. Mm -hmm. All of these women struggling, hardship, 
All of it. And God represents them. God loves them. He works for their lives. He does. He does. It's a... It's, it's an incredible story, and it's a story of grace mm. that we have coming through here that God is able to do. God is able to bring the Messiah through all of these broken people who have been personally broken, mm. have been personally abused, and also some of them who have made some really, really terrible life choices. Yeah. You know, particularly when we talk about uh, Rahab and Tamar, made some terrible life choices. And as a result of that, you know, God's like, yeah, you might you might make some terrible choices in your life, and you might think you have completely destroyed your life. And I think that you know, for Tamar, you know, when she made that choice, she made that decision to do what she did, and she probably, you know, really regretted it for the rest of her life. Mm. But the message you hear is, do not live with those regrets. Take those regrets to God. Take them to Jesus Christ, because He is the one who says. You know, if you confess your sins, I he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, mm. not at some time in the future, not at some time when you've done penance, not some time when you've become good enough, but at the time that you ask for that forgiveness and his grace can absolutely cover us and cover us from the terrible things that, you know, haunt us from the past and God can do amazing, incredible things. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Before we get into question of the day, we are going to have the answers to the quiz. So the first answer was the sun. The second answer, the city of David was Bethlehem. The third answer, you know, what did David play? Which instrument did he play? He played a harp. The fourth answer, who was the judge of Israel that freed his people using an ox goad or, or, you know, a cattle prod? Uh, Shemgar was his name. And finally... Where was, you know, where did that sentence come from? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. It was John chapter 1 and verse 1. So if you got those ones correct, congratulations. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, it's in the New Testament. There's no John in the Old Testament. (laughs) What's wrong with you? (laughs) But right now, it's time for... Question of the Day. All right, our question of the day today comes from Raphael, and it's actually been one that we've been sitting on for a little bit. It is... How old was Rebecca when she got married? Okay, this is a bit of a controversial question right here because you're going to find different uh, apologists and theologians out there coming up with different numbers for this particular, for the age of Rebecca when she got married. Okay, so the first one that we're going to address is uh, you'll find this amongst some Christian scholars and a lot of Islamic scholars who will say that she was three. Mm. And they base this on the fact that uh, they believe that Isaac was 37 when the sacrifice took place, the sacrifice of Isaac, where Abraham offers him as a sacrifice, and that he was 40 when he got married, which was three years after the sacrifice took place, and so therefore she was three years old. So that's pretty wild, and we're going to look at Yikes. just how incredibly wild that is in just a moment. There are others who claim that she was 14. Mm-hmm. And once again, at the age of 14, that would be rather scandalous Mm. uh, considering what we know today and would be a bit of a problem. Okay, so what we've got is this. Let's go back to the story here. We find that there's a messenger that comes to Abraham after the sacrifice of Isaac and he's come from up north. He knows Abraham's family up north and so they sit down and have a conversation and catch up on news. This was something that would have taken place very, very rarely, and that's why it is of note and it is recorded in the Scripture. 
And so the messenger comes and he tells Abraham about all the children of his brother Nahor and Rebekah is included in that. And so therefore there is an assumption made that Rebekah has just been born. Well, if you're going to make that assumption about Rebekah, then you've got to make that same assumption about all of the other names that are listed there as well. And there's a whole slew of names, children of Nahor and grandchildren of Nahor. Rebecca is one of Nahor's grandchildren. And so were all his children and his grandchildren born in the same year. That makes no sense at all. Hey, there you go. So that's just kind of ridiculous. Uh, then you've got this statement here from Genesis chapter 22 in relationship to the sacrifice of Isaac because, first of all, how do we know that he was 37 when the sacrifice took place? The Bible doesn't say that. Mm. What the Bible says, here I am, he replied, this is uh, Genesis chapter 22, do not lay a hand, God says, on the boy. Mm. There is no precedent anywhere in Scripture for calling somebody who is a boy a 37 a 37-year-old man a boy mm. you know this is somebody who is uh, probably before puberty and so then uh we don't have a date for when this event took place and so they would have if you know basically what you've got here is that they would have been much closer together so when the when the messenger comes after the sacrifice of Isaac and let's say that if Rebecca was of a young age at this particular point, then Isaac would have been of a young age as well. All right, so let's go to the story of Rebecca and let's see whether she was three years old. All right. First of all, Rebecca was old enough to draw water from the well on her own and to water the camels. Camels mm. are legendary in the amount of water they are able to consume. And you know, three-year-olds can toddle around and make sounds, but that's about it. They babble along, and they are—you are never going to have this happen. Yeah, the, it, you have to be four years old to go skydiving. We learned yesterday, so that's right. <laughs> okay, so not only that, but would a three-year-old recognise that Abraham's servant was a man of importance, and that she should offer to draw water for him? And would Abraham's servant have said, "Yeah, go ahead, little three-year-old girl, you can break your back drawing out all of this water," you know? hundreds of litres of water that camels would need to drink, this story makes no sense at all. Mm. The Bible tells us that she was old enough when the servant asked for her hand, the parents brought her in and sought her wishes in the matter. So in other words, she was of the age of consent. So uh, Eliezer comes in and he says, look, um, I want you to send Rebecca south with me so that she can marry Isaac. They're like, well... She's old enough, the Bible says. She can mm. answer for herself. You don't. A three-year-old is not old enough to make those kind of decisions, and mm. nobody in their right mind would ever assume that. She was somebody old enough and mature enough to understand the world around her and to know her mind on the subject of marriage. A three-year-old is still in the babbling stage. Mm. A three-year-old is literally a toddler. And finally, the Bible describes Rebecca as the young woman. You never describe, there is no precedent anywhere in Scripture for describing Rebecca as the young woman. So the idea that she was three-year-old is absolutely ridiculous. There is no evidence that she was 14 years old. We would assume that she was literally a young woman, what we would see as being a young woman, probably in her early 20s. Uh, 
too much speculation gets involved in too many of these stories and I fear that there is too many people who have an agenda. Okay, we have a text message come here through here, Lawson. Uh-huh. Yes, and it's about you. Uh-huh. And uh, somebody wants to know, it says, I need to ask, please, is that Lawson singing the song at the end of the show? Um, No. No, it's not me. It's not you. I'm disappointed. It's not. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not putting out music, but I can sing, and we have a guitar here in the studio, so I, I figured... We have a guitar that I found on the side of the road That's here right. in the studio. Well, I found so we... a guitar on the side of the road, so, uh, yeah, let's... Uh, we, I, can, I can do a rendition of the end song. Okay, so a uh, quick reminder, of course, we always like to encourage you to spend some time with Jesus during the day, uh, to spend some time in Bible study prayer, but we'd also encourage you to spend some time in nature, getting some exercise and reading God's second book. And uh, as you go through this day, don't forget that you need to talk faith, live to live faith, faith, to act faith, and to act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. That's right. Let's have a look. Is this guitar at a good sound? Okay, let's see. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsels, guide uphold you. With his sheep, should coldly fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.